Happy summer, everybody. Welcome to the Council Connection. I'm your host, Fabian Vicks, and on today's podcast, we're going to have Adrian Robertson on as a special guest. Um, talk about her path toward her doctorate. On this episode, we're going to talk about the end of the year and COVID-19. Of course, some housekeeping items and my final thought on the world we live in today. In this part of the show, I say Lego. So we are at the end of the year. A lot of districts have ended the year digitally, but is that something that we like right now? Nah. Kind of unfinished. You know, like Justice League. I think that's unfinished. We got an end credit scene with Deathstroke and Lex Luthor on the boat. But we don't get a resolution to Dark Side coming to coming to Earth and fighting the Justice League. We get we get his number one henchman, Stealthman Wolf. But it's kind of how I feel about this end of the year. End of the year seems incomplete, seems unresolved, seemed despondent because we didn't get to say goodbye to our eighth graders or those high school seniors never got to say goodbye to those. Graduating seniors in college never got to say their final goodbyes to their favorite professors or the professors that challenged their way of thinking. A lot of things didn't get completed because of COVID-19 and a lot of things were resolved. So going forward for next year, we haven't got there yet because we don't know what next year is going to look like. We know next year should be here. From my vantage point of how next year, the end of the year for next year or any regular school year, aside from 2020, there's some things that we need to reconcile as counselors when we finish the year out. So, here's some things that I came up with before COVID-19 hit. Some things I look at as a counselor to do and um, close out the year on a good, good note, a good high note. Clean your desk, number one. My desk clean now. <laughs> My desk has been clean since March 13. Um, I thought I was going to go back to it, but I didn't. So that's the first thing. Make sure your desk clean because there's some things in there that you might might need for next year. Some things that you need to resolve for the early of the year. Number two, if you do any type of career inventories or assessments or aptitudes, make sure those are complete because those might be part of your state state recording um, practices as far as Georgia CCRPI you know, climate survey, that type of stuff all that data gets gets computed and computated for for your overall grade as a school in your state number three for me number one for a lot of folks but number, number three over this list but it's number one a lot of counselors is to make sure that you tell your eighth graders that if you ever need them 
tell them to email you. It goes for any fifth elementary school council with your fifth graders. Yeah, middle school counts with 8th graders and high school counts with, with 12th graders. Some might be doing alphabetical or some might be doing grade level. So if you have if you, so if you have 12th graders on your case level, just say we, I'm glad to have known you. We're miss you and I hope you do great things in high school or college or middle school. Those type of things. Number four is clean your office. This is the perfect time to clean your office. Now, if you're only like a 190, 195-day employee, even down to 200, yeah, you want your office clean, especially um, my previous school, Appleton Middle School, they're moving to a new building, so you have no choice but to clean your office and, you know, start fresh when you get to the new building. Y'all, you don't want to come back to a junky office. Some council might actually have a classroom as an office. My, my office, my first three and a half years as a council was a classroom, which is pretty cool, a lot of space. Problem is a lot of space. So I have a little bit of this here, a little bit of this there, a lot of things everywhere. So I look at trying to make sure that my space is clean so that way when I come in next year, I'm not trying to fight through the, the paperwork or scraps of paper or copies or printed things that I've tried to look for during the year and I didn't find it until May 29th. My last tip on this list for closing out the year. Take notes of what you did well and what needs to be improved next year. Usually around milestone time, I'm um, in the hall just monitoring or helping proctor or anything like that, which is, of course, a constant task. I make sure I, I write a list of things that worked this year, things I need to improve, and things I want to do next year. When building a comprehensive program, you're not going to be able to get everything done that you want to do. You're going to have to take it bits and bits and bits of pieces. It's like a puzzle. It's like a 5,000 piece puzzle. You can't put the whole puzzle together. You got to start with the corners, work your way through the corners, bit by bit, until you get the whole picture built. You don't want to just stick pieces in the wrong spot because it's not going to fit. It's going to break the puzzle, which means you're going to go back and get another piece and fit it in there. So those few things I, I said are how a year should end in a regular year. Of course, I have the right to add some things on there. So, you know. But... We're in a different time right now, so it is what it is. We'll be back with my interview with Adrian Robertson right after this. Welcome to the Council Connection. I am your host, Fabian Vick. So we have on the line, we have a doctoral candidate, Adrian Robertson, on the line with us. Adrian, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? your doctoral program at uh, Georgia State University and what is what is the degree that you're pursuing um, a PhD in counselor education and practice okay and have you already uh, finalized your thesis yet for, for your dissertation 
or are you no, still formulating no. it right now? I just finished my first year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what, what made you what made you go pursue your doctoral degree? Um, well, a couple different reasons. I um, I've been a practicing school counselor for about seven years um, in a high school setting, and as well as practicing um, as a mental health counselor in private practice, and was just kind of trying to figure out where to go next and how can I make a bigger change. And uh, talked to my um, <clears throat> excuse me talked to my, uh, well, my now advisor, uh, Dr. Erin Mason. She was my professor at DePaul University. And um, she had just briefly mentioned, you know, why don't I consider going back and getting a PhD? Um, She just saw some leadership qualities and some qualities in me that at the time I didn't really see in myself. And then I attended a session at um, the ASCA conference when it was in LA um, that was moderated by um, Alicia Oglesby and um, had talked to, it was regarding recruiting um, counselor educators of color. And so I attended that and talked to some people and thought this might be my next step. And so I uh, went ahead and applied to Georgia State, really wanted to work with Dr. Mason. She had a huge impact on me as a school counselor. Um, and so I applied, got in, and moved to Georgia, and now I'm a doc student. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, and Dr. Mason, she is pretty cool yeah. uh, at Georgia State, uh, so uh, she's very knowledgeable in what she does as far as school counseling. She's a very good advocate, so you are, I think you're in good hands with her at, yeah. um, at Georgia State, so we're going to get right on into this, and what we talked about uh, for the show, you um have a passion for mental health and trauma and trying mm-hmm. to help students adjust and advocate for them. Can you talk about what things that you do for your students, for students when you was a counselor mm-hmm. as far as handling trauma, especially with COVID-19 right now? Yeah. So we had, um, I'll just give you a little information. The previous school that i worked at um, was in Illinois and I, um, it was a, a very high need school. Um, violence was rising in the community. Um, a lot of community issues, um, poverty growing, and um, a lot of our students were, you know, living in these in these areas or, or struggling with this. And so um, we had a student, a lot of student deaths. Well, I will say a lot for our community, um, whether it was through violence or other um, other things that had occurred. And so really coming in with our students and thinking, okay how do we get these kids to be able to cope with what's going on in the school setting? Because a lot of them weren't. So a lot of it came honestly from first educating the staff uh, regarding trauma, what trauma was and how to work with students who have experienced trauma. So really starting that process of becoming um, trauma informed within our school. and also educating them regarding the school counselors and what they do regarding um, social emotional issues and addressing that. And then from there with um, educating staff, then it was um, meeting with students. Um, A lot of it was individual. Unfortunately, um, we did some tier one interventions, but um, due to the nature of our district and not being, 
super supportive um, all the time of school counselors and the ASCA model. Um, a lot of the things that we did were more reactive, unfortunately. But I did a lot of individual meetings with students and some small group work with students regarding different things with dealing with anxiety at school. So we did different activities, um, provided a safe space for the students to be able to talk about their anxiety, and also did some outreach with parents. So I talked to a lot of parents. Um, they would come in concerned about their student and I would talk to a lot of them. And, and a lot of that was also education, um, especially within the African-American community, um, as we know, um, there's a struggle with identifying mental health. And so um, talking to a lot of parents about anxiety, what anxiety is, what their students are um, dealing with. So a lot of it was honestly education. It was really um, kind of the base, the now getting the knowledge base out there for all the stakeholders and then working with students on the individual basis and providing tools and coping skills for them to that they can use within the classroom um, to help them be able to manage. And then also just providing a safe space within my office for them if they need a minute to cry, if they need to do some deep breathing, if they just need to talk, providing that space for them. Now you say um, y'all more uh, reactive. What's one thing that you looking for with you? Let's say for instance, you do go back into, um, you go back to uh to a building as a school counselor or you you're let me scratch that let's say for instance three years from now you finish with your doctorate and there's a position open for a, a council supervisor in a district what would be the first mm -hmm. thing you would do for your for your uh, counselors to be proactive in and dealing with trauma or anxiety anything like that mm -hmm. well i think the first thing would be to go in and do an assessment um find out um, you know, what my counselors know, where they're at, um, finding out, you know, their training, because as we know, um, we still have a lot of counselors out there that weren't necessarily trained in the same way as how counselors are being trained now. And there is a learning curve with that. So just checking to see where counselors are, what their needs are, and as well as educating the administrators, finding out where I need to advocate for my counselors and using um, the data to show that support. So whether that's, um, you know, teaching the administrators about the ASCA model and t discussing, you know, the different domains, um, teaching the administrators about the, what the counselors can do if they're not already um, educated on that, or maybe they're educated on it, but still struggling with the balancing of academics and social emotional and how to address that within a school setting. Um, so first, I think a lot of it would just be assessment. And then the second thing I would like to do is implement some school-wide um, procedures. So whether that is, um, you know, having early, um, having classroom lessons regarding different anxieties, um, you know, that students may feel or just educating students on what anxiety is, because I think also depending on the developmental age of the student, they may not really fully understand that. And so helping them, helping educate the students as well um, would be some things that I would want to come in and, and start to do that proactiveness. And then also find some evidence-based um, 
evidence-based uh, interventions that they would be able to incorporate within the school that would be relatively um, easy to teach as well as easy to implement and not take up too much time from the classroom, but also be effective for the students. Okay, pretty cool. Now, of course, we're, we're going through this pandemic right now, and mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the hot topics is um, how, how schools are schools going to reopen the same way? Or are there going to be a stagger mm-hmm. opening? Is it mm-hmm. going to be a hybrid? Is it going to be online for the first fall semester? We're in California, mm-hmm. Cal, Cal State University, the biggest university in America, with half a million students. Mm-hmm. It's going 100% online for mm-hmm. the year. How do you see Georgia right now as far as how they're going to school's going to open what are they going to do with far as the 2021 school year yeah um i've been trying to put my ear to the ground to see a little bit what's going on i think georgia's a little unique um not to get too much into politics but as you know georgia's you know one of the first states that kind of opened back up and a lot of people were having issues with that um as far as you know opening up stores and and um different things. And so um, not really sure what it's going to look like for school, but I do know that um, I actually just read an article this morning that the CDC did release kind of these suggested guidelines for schools and kind of saying this is what schools need to consider if they want to open back up. Um, And just wondering what is realistic about that. Um, We keep talking about Um, all of these um, considerations that we need to take in regarding um, safety as far as health with COVID-19. But is that realistic for one um, to, you know, space students out in a classroom when we know a lot of classrooms already already have students, um, let alone addressing the social emotional issues. And so really concerned about how schools are going to be able to handle that um, with funding, but also hoping and wondering how schools are going to be able to handle the social emotional piece and recognizing the mental health that, you know, the mental health issues that students have been dealing with. And is it going to be a, let's just get back into it and try to focus on academics, or is it going to be a, let's focus on, let's seeing where our students are at mentally. Let's just find out how they're doing before we focus on, teaching them new math. So um, that's kind of where I'm just trying to learn more about the districts here. Um, Haven't heard too much yet about what's going on and what they're thinking. Yeah, I read a couple articles. I'm um, I'm in Henry County, but I live in Macon. I also live working in Mm Beale County and I'll read their board minutes the other day. And Mm -hmm. I know that the, um, I think Richard Woods is the state superintendent Mm-hmm. He's, he, he's talked to all superintendents, all superintendents across the state saying, be, be, prepare your budgets as if you're taking a 14% mm-hmm. and you're funding for next year. Yeah. And, and that's, that's possibly might look at some um, furloughing possibly yes. job freezes. Mm-hmm. Um, some projects might have to be put on hold. Some yeah. districts might use something called SAMS for uh, time management for administrators that mm-hmm. might have to be put on hold. Do you see that 14% decrease affecting uh, possible areas of fine arts, uh, athletics, counselors? Because that, that could be one of the first positions they see as, mm-hmm. as, a, as a luxury. It's like 
our let's say for instance you got a car. Uh, I have a we'll say a 2018 Honda Accord. Everything the engines, the principal, and the and the tires or the assistant principals, the teachers are everything else. But council, some people might see councils as the rims you put on the car or the mm-hmm. Alpine stereo you install it up. Yes. It. Do you do you for do you foresee any districts cutting counselors for this year and next year? That is a fear. Um, to, so I actually had a conversation. Um, part of my program at Georgia State is learning how to do supervision with counseling students. And so this year I had the opportunity to be a supervisor to um, two school counseling intern students and um, actually had a pretty in, um, extensive conversation with one of my supervisees yesterday who is struggling to find a job. And um, it sounds like, and this is, um, you know, only being here for a year, um, a lot of our our graduates tend to have something lined up by now. And it seems like some, you know, we're there, as she was talking about her classmates, there were a lot of students that are are fearful and that they are looking and and they're having a hard time. And so what it sounds like is a lot of districts, um, because of this possible decrease, um, are putting our are, are kind of like on a hiring freeze or, or kind of holding off on hiring until they find out what's going on. And so that right there, just thinking about how um, normally our graduates are, you know, usually placed and get jobs. And right now, a lot of them are struggling. And I think it says it's an attest to the lack of hiring or the hold on hiring because schools are trying to figure out who they're going to keep and who they're not. And yeah, unfortunately, I think counselors are usually one of the first ones to um, kind of be put on the chopping block, um, especially in a situation like this, because they're thinking, what, what, what are they going to be able to do if all the kids are online? They're not necessarily going to be seeing kids. It's not going to be the same format. So thinking they're not necessarily needed. So yeah, that's definitely a fear. But the fine arts, definitely. And I actually had a conversation yesterday about physical education teachers. Um, if kids are at home online, how does the PE teacher teach PE? And so wondering where all these cuts are coming from. And um, I think it's really fearful and it's going to be really hard for students, definitely. Yeah, that's a concern I have because I have a friend that's uh, moving back to Macon who's from here and he's picked up a job about my, my old school and I'm, I'm worried about him because it's his, his, his we, we went to Fort Valley together and his, his, his patch would, our patch would ban and mm-hmm. I don't think he would want to teach a music appreciation class to to his students. He wanted them on an instrument so he could get them ready for high school and possibly get scholarships for college. Exactly. That's, that's, a, that's a fear I have for him also. Um, mm-hmm. I got one more question for you. I, I know it's, it's, you briefly touched on it when you, we inboxed on it. Um, you were a high school counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, what tips do you have for anybody that's working on the master schedule right now? Oh, goodness gracious. I hated master scheduling. <laughs> um, <laughs> our our administrator, administrator did a lot of it, but uh, we worked really closely together because I was the lead counselor. It was extremely stressful. Um, I would say, you know, as counselors, um, you know, I guess it would depend on if the counselor is the person doing the master scheduling or if they're just assisting. But what I would say is to really, truly 
advocate for what you can. Um, advocating for um, if they are online, you know, advocating for making advocating that students are not only getting the courses that they need, right, to graduate, but also saying, you know, things like the arts, things like um, um, electives are important to kind of break that up for students. So I guess I would just talk to the master scheduler and making sure that they're also just thinking about how that would look for the students. Um, the other part is if student, if schools don't know, you know, if you don't know whether you're going to be online or not, you have to do your master schedule as if you're going back. Um, obviously, there's, there'll be differences that you make when you find out, but you have to do that master schedule as if you're going back to school. And so it makes it really difficult because we are all online, but making sure that you know, students are able to get their courses and um, working on that schedule as if nothing's changed. So that if you do go back, you're not trying to scramble to change it would be probably my, the only really advice that I have. Um, and again, that just comes from me not, not being the main person doing the schedule, just a lot of assistance and kind of helping him tweak things when, uh, when things weren't matching up. So yeah, but it's, Ooh, um, I, that's one thing I do not miss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't miss it right now either, so. Do not miss that part. Um, it is definitely very difficult. Um, I've talked to a lot of my colleagues that I'm still really close with my old team and, um, you know, everything was going on and they were still entering um, course requests um, for students and they were doing a lot of things from home because of what's going on. And so, um, just that added stress of not being able to communicate with students and not being able to check things and dealing with the stress of parents calling and trying to, you know, check the student's schedule and figure out what's going on. And it's still just too early and trying to figure it out. And um, those kinds of things are frustrating as a counselor, especially when really you just need to find out if your kids are okay and how they're handling things. So, yeah. Yeah, my tip, I agree with everything you just said. My tip is make students turn your request in early. Mm -hmm. Because uh that's a headache because we have because we run that we run that wizard or if you use a skyward or power school, you you run the schedules. Guess what? We got all those gaps to fill and, and if we put your classes yes. you don't like, I'm not gonna change them. Yes. And then, oh and my goodness. Administrator gonna tell me to change those classes because like you didn't do it on time. Mm -hmm. So Yes. Uh-huh. And we used to, um, so we still unfortunately did our scheduling by paper, which I'm not going to comment on that, but we still did our <laughs> scheduling by paper. So, you know, we had a school of about 2,000 students. And we would go in into the classrooms and um, we, uh, we would have to give them two sheets to fill out. We'd give them mm -hmm. one to take home. To go over with their parents, you know, whatever, think about it. And then when we do our individual meetings, we talk to them about it. But we always took one with us because we knew probably at least 25 to 30% of our kids are not bringing those papers back. 
So we always had to have an extra one. So we were wasting so much paper because the kids wouldn't bring them back. And then, yeah, it would just cause so much more of a headache. So we always had to, we had to copy 4,000 pieces of paper just to do scheduling. So because the kids wouldn't bring their, yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of paper wasted. (laughs) Yes, we did this year. We, uh, I'm in middle school that has 1300 students and we, uh, you gave their election uh, connections request and students didn't turn in. I, t- I told all the council, hey man, next year we're going all online with um, mm-hmm. the campus and just let them request it. Then we'll print the request after they complete it and then right. had parents sign off. And then if they want to change it, their parent had to come in and change it. Mm-hmm. So that way that saved, saved paper on our end. So, right. Hey, Adrian, I appreciate your, you taking the time out for coming on my podcast today. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was really good to, to chat with you and talk a little bit about um, everything that's going on. Like I said, it wasn't that bad, was it? I told you it wasn't going to be that bad. No, definitely not. I was just really nervous. I've never done a podcast before, but this is really cool. So, Trust me, it's going to be it's a way to advocate and a way to build your brand, too. So that's that's a presentation I'm going to turn in for GSCA and ask for next year. Just in mm-hmm. case they, they're listening and they want to want to go ahead and let me present on that maybe so I get a free yeah that'd future. be great absolutely I that's why I asked what you're looking for because I have about five or six other counselors that would be great for you to talk to so might have to send you those names over there <laughs> oh that, that'll work I'm, I'm versatile so I could talk about just about anything with counseling so that's that's cool with me so good good okay all right all right once again thank you Adrian and we'll be right back with more counselor connection right after this <laughs> This part of the show where we do some housekeeping items. Of course, you know you can follow my podcast on Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts. Um, We're working on getting a lot of different guests throughout the summer because, you know, some kinds of work 11, 12 months out of the year. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, a friend of the show, um, we're going to have Steve Sharp, he would like to be known as El Presidente of the Pennsylvania School Council Association, he's the Presidente Elect, he's going to be on um, soon, sometime this summer, probably June, July, we're going to chop it up, of course, he's going to be the other half of the Cussing Council, so that episode, don't have no case, let's do that episode. Um, we're looking forward to having John Burnett eventually on this podcast. We're working out some details on his availability. Um, try to get some male counsels because, you know, we're like unicorns. You know, male counsels then add on a male counsel color. You know, that's just like a unicorn. Speaking of unicorns, Brian Coleman, if you are listening to this podcast, I would love to have you on. I will get Laura Ross to pull your leg to see if I can get you on the podcast. I would love to have you on and just, I don't know what we're going to talk about because we can talk about anything, so love to have you on there. Um, we're going to go through the summer blues and talk about finalizing schedules and are we going to be physically back in the building? I don't know. But we won't know until you know the higher-ups make those decisions and we make adjustments as needed. But, um, 
those are some things we've got coming up this summer um love to have some more counselors and administrators love to have you on to talk about how you view your counselors in your buildings district personnel love to have you on um it's very fun I, i'm not gonna I'm not gonna set you up set you up and nothing like that so we'll right back my final thought Faye's final thought. I was going to talk about the last 10 days as an African-American male. Scrap that. African-American. But I'm going to use that thought for next week. But I want you to take this time out to talk to your kids about social injustice. Talk to your kids about voting. Talk to your kids about politics. How does the government work? You could break it down to, to your kids uh, no matter how old they are. Once you show them the importance of voting, it'll start making the world a difference in the United States. My podcast is not a political podcast. It is not left stream or conservative right or conservative right or tea party or green party or bag lady party whatever party you want to call it but just thinking about the last 10 days um America still don't get it still don't get it While I'm working on this um, pseudo final thought, I'm 43 years old this August. The basis for the Civil Rights Act was written and approved in 1964 and finalized in 1968. I say that because 1964, right to vote, uh, discrimination, all that stuff was included in the first part of the Civil Rights Act in 64 and it was amended with the Fair Housing Act in 1968 right before um, LBJ left office for Nixon so we as African Americans or Hispanics or you know anybody of color we didn't have full rights in the country to 1964 we've only been free for 50 six years let us think in we as African Americans or people of color have not had full rights until 1964 which means our great 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 ancestors never saw the rights as a full American citizen that are bestowed to us in the Constitution even though you know 13th Amendment 13th to the 15th Amendment still in there that says we three-fifths of a you know person I can't 
formulate my thoughts right now because this is not the time for me to go into that thought I want to go into her. uneducated or unprepared thesis of what I want to talk about which is why I'm muting my time to make sure you talk to your kids about social injustice the importance of voting how to be safe in an unsafe world I want to hold my thoughts until next week I'm going to have Steve Sharp on we had talked about doing hip hop hip hop counselors you know what can we do is using hip hop and rap into and also integrate into our comprehensive programs. We're, that was our initial thought we were going to talk about, but with um, everything that's happened within the last ten days, uh, that's changed. I, um, I'm recording my final thought on a Wednesday, the um, June third. I talked to him for I recorded my my final thought, and we both agreed we, we can't talk about the hip hop concept, not with what's going on right now. That wouldn't won't be apropos to to that because I'm, I'm a counselor that believe I'm a person that believes in staying current what you're talking about because I'm also a part of another podcast um, the Fort Valley Boys we're going to be discussing being black in America and that's a sports podcast and that's very relevant right now and like I said this is a part of my show I do my final thought but right now I just want to just wait until I talk to Steve and his friends that are going to come on my show before I get my final thought on a lot of stuff that we could do better as a nation and as a people that's my show for today I want to thank you for listening and I'm out